We are back at Thessalonians today, and we're going to see how important it is that you respond to the truth you are given and to the love that you are shown by those who watch over you in the Lord. And that certainly could include people like pastors or elders, but also your mother and father, uh, dear brothers or sisters, anyone who sows the word into your life. Uh, in this letter so far, we've seen Paul's love and affection for the believers at Thessalonica. And it's really one of the outstanding features of this book. Paul was an apostle of love. He was a minister of love. And consequently, that's what he, he, he wanted to have produced in the people that he ministered to. He wanted them to love one another. He wanted them to love him back. So, so far, the emphasis has been on Paul's love, his outpouring, his loving them, his affection for the believers at Thessalonica. But now he hears about their love for him and their longing to see him. In verse 6, he said, Timothy has come to us from you and has brought to us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us just as we long to see you. Uh, Paul had been with these people for about six months. He preached the gospel to them, brought them the message about Jesus Christ. He had uh, instructed them. He cared for them like a nursing mother. Uh, he treated them like a father treats his own children. And his heart was deeply attached to them. But now as he writes the letter, he is gone. He's away from them. And he actually fears that they may have fallen away from their faith because of the afflictions they're going through and through the temptations of Satan. And he's really not sure where they are at or how they were doing. He's not sure where he stands with them or what they think of him or how they remember him or if they still love him. So he sent Timothy back to find out about these things and Timothy returned to Paul with good news, with great news. Uh, their faith was firm and their love for one another was strong and their love for Paul was strong too. Uh, they remember him kindly, or some translations say, or they remembered him with joy. They have fond memories of Paul. They missed him, and they longed to see him, too. Their hearts were attached in love and affection to the Apostle Paul. And so Paul said, for this reason, we have been comforted or deeply, profoundly encouraged. And it is two things that comfort Paul, or uh, Paul said comfort him. It's their faith and their love. And this comfort was such a special blessing to Paul, he said, because it came during a time of his own intense affliction and trial. If you want to encourage a godly person, it doesn't take a huge gift or anything like that. Your faith and love are what make them the most happy. And if they are truly a godly person, that is what will thrill their soul. If you want to encourage your, your elders, your pastors, your, your, your godly mother or father or grandparents, your fellow believers, stand fast in your faith and in your love for them and for others. 
Paul uses the term stand fast here. They, they, were, they, they were standing fast in the Lord. And stand fast is a favorite exhortation of Paul. He uses it a lot, just exhorting believers, stand fast, stand firm in the Lord. It means to hold your ground. It means to maintain your faith in the face of evil or trouble or even in the face of the devil himself. Uh, Peter said, resist the devil standing fast or standing firm in your faith. Paul modeled standing fast extremely well. Uh, In the letter to the Corinthians, he said, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed or defeated. And he said, he went on and say, and we will not lose heart, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So their steadfast love, just, or their steadfast faith greatly encouraged Paul, gave him deep joy. Uh, and their love did too. Uh, he was, you can t- just, if you just read this, you sense the emotion in Paul as he's writing back to them. I mean, you just don't read letters more, more filled with emotion and, and affection than what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. He was deeply attached, affect, touched or affected by their love for him and uh, that they longed to see him too. And he ends this chapter praying that they would increase and abound or uh, I think numeric standards says and overflow with love for all people and for Paul just as his love overflows for them. So Paul is... Uh, what he's after in the ministry, of course, he, he's, he's all about wanting to pour out his own heart of love into people. He wants to love people. He wants his heart to overflow with affection for people. But then he also wants people to respond and to begin overflowing with love and affection for one another and for him too. So that's what he prays for, that their love would increase and overflow Uh, for all people and for Paul and for him just as his love overflows for them. Now if you've been through uh, here with us through some of these messages on Thessalonians you may wonder uh, why are we talking about love and affection again? Well that's because that's what the book is mainly about or a lot about so far. Uh, And why is there all this emphasis on Paul's affection for them on their affections for him? And that's because That is the kind of relationship Jesus brings us into. That's what we are called to into the church. I mean, we're called into a lot of things when we come into the church. The church means ecclesia, those who are called out of the world and into the church. But a lot of what we are called out of the world and into, we are called into this place of deep affection and love for one another. We're to be, Paul said, we're to be devoted to, to one another in brotherly love. God changes your affections. It's one of the most clear evidences that someone is born again. You've got new desires, new, new loves, new affections. Uh, a couple of centuries ago, maybe three centuries ago, Jonathan Edwards wrote a book called Religious Affections. Very famous, very, very well-known um, And in it, he made the case that true spirituality is largely a matter of having holy affections. 
Um, and if you're not familiar with that term, I mean, aff- affections is another word for, for love. Uh, affections are, could be defined as intense feelings or longings or desires that spring from your heart. And Edward said that love for God and joy in God are the affections of a genuine believer. But also, true spirituality is largely a matter of holy affections for one another. It's a matter of having holy affections for God and holy affections for one another. And again, holy affections for one another simply means that we intensely love one another. We earnestly care for each other. We intensely long to be with one another. And these affections for one another come as part of the new birth package. Uh, The Apostle John said, Beloved, let us love one another because love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So some really important lessons on love are modeled for us in these first three chapters of Thessalonians. And I, I, hope, I hope you see this. I hope you're touched, affected uh, by the genuine, sincere, affectionate love that Paul had for the believers. And that's just hugely challenging to me as a, as a pastor, elder, shepherd. It uh, should be a hugely challenging to, to all of us. We all have a, have a role of, of spiritual input, of sowing into other people's lives. And we should... Uh, we sh- we should uh, have this, this uh, example that Paul modeled for us. It just should be burnt into our heart. So, so we're going to look at several lessons on love that are modeled for us uh, uh, here uh, in, in this passage this morning. First, uh, love starts with you and not the other person. Uh, of course, love comes from God first, right? Uh, we, can't, we can't love until God loves us, and that's, that's what John said, love comes from God. And we love one another because we're born of God. Um, God's love is poured out into our hearts first. But in our relationships with other people, we are to think about ourselves as being the first to love. We're, we're, we're to initiate love. Paul initiated this love relationship with the Thessalonians. Didn't start with them, it started with him. And there's a lot about his love for them in the first three chapters of this book, which, which we've gone over. And here at the, at the end of this passage, the very last thing that David read for us this morning, he prays that their love would, uh, that they would increase and abound, or again, overflow, that, that their love would increase that they would abound in love for one another just as we do for you or just as our love abounds for you. Paul wants them to love now just as he had already loved him. The order is important. He had already loved them. started with him. Uh, David Guzik said, Paul daringly set himself as a standard of love to be emulated. 
we should live such Christian lives that we could tell young Christians, love other people just the way that I do you. So that's the lesson here, I think, or one of them, we're going to cover many lessons, but that's the first lesson here. We, we start the fire. We, we love first. We are not standing around waiting for somebody to love us. In Romans, uh, Paul said, owe no one anything except to love one another. You can pay off all your other debts, but you can never come to a place where you can stop loving people. You never come to a place where you've loved enough. Uh, when you, there's never a Sunday that you've loved people enough that you can come in here and not love somebody. We have an obligation, and it's, it's a never-ending obligation to love one another. If you get into a mindset, and it's very easy to do, if you get into a mindset that other people owe you love, it is just such a dead-end street. And there's a, there's a strong, I believe, demonic doctrine going around today that convinces people, including some Christians, that, that we're all victims, uh, we're all triggered, we're, we're all helpless until or unless somebody treats us right first. And it's the ultimate kind of self-defeat and just leads to perpetual unhappiness. Now, so, some people in this room, uh, I know, been really mistreated. Paul was mistreated. Uh, he was mistreated all the time. And yet, he wasn't isolating in bitterness and um, mulling over how much he'd been mistreated. He still kept on loving. It might be a hard thing for us to hear, but the, the, really the way that we get out, one of the big ways that we get out of being mistreated is to, is to just to love people back, to start loving people. I am so blessed when I see people here at Real Life Church initiating love, and I see it a lot. Uh, just deeply encouraging. Um, I see people initiating love, reaching out, uh, talking to people they've never met before or don't know very well, uh, sensing that somebody has a need and going up to them and praying for them, uh, doing some kind, thoughtful thing. Uh, it's just, so, it's just so encouraging. And just, just take home that lesson to just think of, of yourself. I'm going to be the person that loves first. I'm going to be the one who initiates love. That's what, that's what we're called to do. Second, uh, all ministry starts with loving people, but don't get into any, any ministry. And I mean by that, don't, don't, don't go loving people, laying down your life for people, thinking you will always be loved and appreciated in return. Uh, the Thessalonians did the right thing. They loved and appreciated Paul and his teaching, uh, but that doesn't always happen. Uh, it wasn't the case so much at Corinth. I'm not saying there weren't some people there at Corinth that loved Paul, but it was a struggle. You read through First and Second Corinthians, 
Paul really struggled with the Corinthians trying to get them to have the right attitude toward him. And he, he, he actually had to, to plead. It almost makes you feel sorry for Paul when you read that letter. He had to plead with them to respond to his apostolic love and authority. And for 2 Corinthians 6, 12 and 13, uh, he said, Paul said, we are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children. Open wide your hearts to us also. It, it almost sounds kind of pathetic. Paul, all that he did for the Corinthians, and yet he was having to, to plead with them like little children. Hey, guys, you know, I'm laying down my life for you. My arms are open to you. My heart is open to you. Uh, let's, let's have a, a little fair exchange here, kids, and uh, you open your heart to me as well. So not, not all uh, ministry goes as well as it did here with the, the Thessalonians for Paul. And you can sometimes pour out yourself uh, for someone and get nothing back. And in one sense, that's, that's okay. I mean, it isn't right, but it's okay because we're just called to love. I mean, we're not worrying. Our focus isn't on what we get back. Uh, Jesus told the disciples, freely you have received, freely give. I mean, that's, that's the attitude that we come to the Christian life with. We come to service uh, and ministry. And that's... Uh, True in any, any relationship. I mean, you can pour out your life and love into just another person, a, even a spouse uh, or a family, a child, and, and they can turn on you or w- walk out on you. And um, yet, that doesn't change uh, what we're called to do. You know, I'm reminded of uh, Elizabeth Elliot when... Uh, Jim Elliott was, and his friends were speared to death by the Aka Indians. And uh, everybody, she had a little girl, a little girl, two-year-old Valerie. And all the people said, Elizabeth, you need to get out of here and go home. And in an, in an article at Life magazine, she said, uh, death doesn't change the command to take the gospel to every creature. And so she, she stayed down there and ministered to those people. She loved those people that slaughtered her husband. Um, we're called to love, lay down our life for people, regardless of the response. And the Bible is full of stories of people who didn't respond well to God's messengers. In fact, the Thessalonians almost are kind of an e- uh, exception. Um, the Lord told the, the prophet Hosea to go love a woman who loves another man. And that woman, uh, in the book of Hosea, represented Israel, who was loved faithfully by God, but who did not love God back. And sometimes pouring into people does feel like that. And sometimes you're going to minister to, to people that don't love you back, or don't respond with faithfulness. The prophets, Jesus and the apostles all experienced this. Jesus said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those sent to her, how often I have longed to gather your children uh, under, together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were unwilling. Um, and, you know, a lot of people who 
feel they are not loved uh, are really just rejecting the love that they are shown. Um, I got a call a few weeks ago uh, from a young girl. I guess she's not so young anymore. Named Stephanie. Uh, she, years and years ago, she'd been in and out of the, this church. Um, she was desperate for help, and um, I'd known known her for a long time. I hadn't seen her for years, um, and and she reminded me of. A uh, time when I visited her, visited, visited her in the hospital uh, when she had a car accident. She said it was one of the only, uh, or f- one of the few times in her life she'd ever felt loved. And, uh, and yet she <laughs> neglected uh, every teaching or counsel or everything I ever tried to help her with. And at the end of my phone call with her, I, I said, Stephanie, I, I would love to be your pastor and shepherd and watch over your soul if you are willing. And I begged her to come and be a part of the church family and I said, you would be so loved by the people here and there's so many people there that would reach out to you and help you and care for you if, if you are willing. And there was just dead silence. There was just no response and again, she never showed up. She did, didn't want that. But we're to keep on loving people with or without response. We, we're to love with the love of God flowing out from us, not because somebody responds or treats us right. I mean, Jesus said, if you love only those who love you, how, how are you better than the unbelievers, the, gen, the Gentiles? No, we have a high, much higher standard to love that we're called to. It's seri- real serious business. Um, not saying it's easy. It's, it's very challenging. 1 Corinthians 13, love endures all things, uh, in, in, including all kinds of uh, offenses, uh, neglect, uh, mistreatment. Love endures all things. So our, our love is a, is a strong love. It's not simply like, a, like a, a, an emotion that we feel that, uh, that that emotion gets shut down and so we just stop loving. No, not at all. It's, it's a strong love that comes from the Holy Spirit within us. And so we're not, because it is from God, because it's the, the power of the Holy Spirit within us, then we are not um, easily offended or shaken from continuing to love people. All right, next. Uh, we ought to, th- there's, those are some of the negative examples, but next, we ought to respond to those who pour into us um, by returning uh, love and affection. The Thessalonians responded to the message Paul brought, certainly, and we've covered that. They, they accepted the message, the gospel message that Paul brought to them. They regarded it as the word of God, which it, which it really was. And so they, they had this, um, you know, just tremendous open response the gospel came to them the word of God came to them in the power of the Holy Spirit and they received it like that and they just let it they let it they let this the message the teaching of Paul turn their lives around and they turned away from idols to begin to serve the living God completely different people so they responded to the message Paul brought but they also responded to his 
love for them. And we read, of course, in this passage that, that they had this affection for Paul. They, they longed to be with him again. Uh, his, his ministry hadn't just been a one-way street, uh, responding to the love and teaching of those who watch over you in the Lord. It's, just, it's the kind of response that fuels their life, it's, and it's the kind of response we're called to. And I, I don't mean this to sound uh, self-serving in any way. I hope it, it, hope it doesn't, because I don't, I'm not trying to apply this all just to you know, me or Josh or uh, a few, few, few select people. I mean, we all have people that, pour in, that care about us spiritually, just brothers and sisters here in the body that love us and have done things for us and uh, pour into our life or sow into our life in, in some way. And we're, we're, we're supposed to see that and respond well to that and appreciate that and return the, the love and, and affection. And as I said, we're commanded to do this. First Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13 says, appreciate those who work hard among you. There, there, there are people here in the, at Real Life Church that serve and work, and they have a lot of responsibilities in their own home and family, but you know they, they, they serve, they work hard uh, for the church family too. Appreciate those who work hard among you and are over you in the Lord and give you instruction. Uh, show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And so that's the, the Paul, that's actually later, on in the same book, that's, that's, that Paul uh, gives this instruction to the Thessalonians. And they had shown that kind of love and affection, I think, to, to Paul, and Paul wasn't so much saying this about himself, but he was, just, he was talking about those other people there in the church who uh, labored to love them and watch over them and teach them. And he, sh- he said, show them great respect or appreciation and wholehearted love because of their work. So we ought to respond uh, to that. Next, if we love people, if we care about their souls, our big joys in life will come from seeing them do well in the Lord. Verse 6, Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love. For this reason... Brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before God? I hope you get the feeling of what's going on here. I mean, Paul is just so full of joy he doesn't, he, he doesn't even uh, know what to say. He can hardly find words to express his thanks to God because he has so much joy over their love and their faith. Uh, Calvin's commentary on this, I actually don't look at very often, but his commentary on this passage was phenomenal. He said, Paul shows here what an extraordinary affection he had towards them by the fact that he was transported almost out of his senses by the joyful awareness of their prosperous spiritual condition. I love that. (laughs) He was transported almost out of his senses by the fact that they were doing well in their faith and in their love. You know, we rejoice over 
uh, our grandchildren doing well be in anything, I, you know, what, whatever it is, in their, in their work, in their spiritual condition, and things they get to do, even, you know, even if we hear that they had a fun time with one of their friends going out for ice cream, we, that makes us happy. We rejoice over their well-being because we love them. And we do that with one another. Uh, if we love one another, uh, we'll, we'll just be so happy for each other. We'll, we'll have this great and overflowing joy uh, for others when, when we see them do well. And again, Paul was in a time of deep distress and affliction, he says. And this joy that he had overseeing them do well was so great that it's just like he forgot all about his own trouble and affliction. Uh, He's just just carried away. He just got carried away with, with joy over them. And affectionate relationships in the body of Christ create a, a source of joy for you and me. Uh, they, they create a wellspring of joy that really can carry us through our afflictions and troubles too. And we can actually be happy and, can, and feel blessed uh, when others are doing well in the Lord, even if we're experiencing a lot of trouble at the moment. And so we... Uh, we need that. That's one of the reasons that we need that kind of affectionate caring for one another. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about, I, I think, I hear the expression that, you know, love brings pain. And it does. You know, it does. Uh, but Paul's emphasizing here that love bring, brings a lot of joy, too. Because you just, every little thing, that every, every little thing that you see that person um, do well every every step of progress maybe even if it seems little you're just happy as can be about faith and love are the absolutely essential ingredients of the Christian life Uh, these are the two qualities that Paul sought to instill in the Thessalonians Uh, they're the two qualities that he Uh, commends them for Uh, they're the two qualities that he rejoiced in and they're the two qualities that he prays would increase Uh, Galatians 5 6 Paul said all that matters is faith expressing itself through love of course there's a lot of other things to know but like Paul's just saying this is the essence this is what matters most because the Galatians they were you know they were getting all all caught up and bound up in, in, in legalism and different teachings and so forth. And Paul says, hey guys, remember this, all that matters is faith expressing itself through love. Paul often summed up the Christian life as faith and love, and I could go to a n- n- number of passages, and I had a whole bunch of them written down, but I thought, well, that's probably going to take too much time. But uh, he did say t- to Timothy, the goal of our teaching the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So Paul uh, measured the church's well-being by these two qualities. Uh, faith shows itself by your confidence in God and your fidelity to God and his word. 
Love shows itself by your loyalty to your brothers and sisters, your affection for them, and your sacrifice for them. And so really, it's, this passage is a lot about faith and love, and your faith and love really tell the whole story. And, and when Paul kind of did a, a check on the faith and love of the Thessalonians, it was like, okay, that tells me the whole story. These guys are doing well. They're standing fast in the Lord because their faith is firm. They're holding fast to faith and their love for me and for one another is increasing and doing well. Our, our goal should be ever-increasing faith and love for ourselves and for others. And that was a thing uh, that Paul prayed for. This was Paul's goal for the Thessalonians. Uh, in verse 10, we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see your face, see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. I mean, he wanted to see him face to face just because he, he loved them, but also he wanted to get, be with them so that he could uh, shore up their faith. He could teach them some more things and so that their faith would be more, more complete. Uh, then he closes this passage with a prayer for an ever-increasing love. Verse 11, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to, to you, way to you, and may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as our love for you overflows. You know, there's never a, a place to stop uh, in Paul's mind in terms of growing in the Christian life or being full of the Spirit or being full of love and faith. Uh, increase and overflow is always the heartbeat of God for you. And it was the heartbeat of Paul. You know, C.S. Lewis uh, in Mere Christianity uh, said, God is easily pleased but hard to satisfy. And he used this very illustration that I'm going to use which is that when your baby boy or girl takes their first steps, you are so pleased, right? But you're not satisfied. You want them to be able to walk more and walk faster and be able to run and jump and skip and all of that. Uh, Paul felt that way with uh, his, the churches. He felt that way about their faith and love and He's, he says, yeah, you guys have faith and love. Um, he says, I want more, and I want it to be ever-increasing. I just want it to be abounding and overflowing. Um, that's, that's his heart. And that, that, sh that should, should be our deep uh, desire for ourselves and for one another. And, you know, the Christian life can, can get really, or it can get so it feels really complex, and it's deep, the Christian life is very deep, and there's a lot to understand, but it is simple. It is walking in faith and in love. It's not okay to see people uh, just come to church once in a while or show little or no growth. We, we want uh, all that God has for everyone. And Paul said, we admonish and teach everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect or complete in Christ. And to this end, I labor and strive with all his energy working powerfully within me. 
And Paul said, I'm going to give it all I have got to help other people, um, to, to teach other people, to admonish other people, to help other people be complete in Christ. Ever-increasing love is integral uh, to having a holy and blameless hearts ready for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. May the Lord make you to increase in love and overflow in love for one another so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Uh, I think that's a remarkable prayer. Uh, the connection... Uh, between love and holiness, I think, gets missed by many people. Uh, one of the old, uh, well-known commentators of a few centuries ago uh, said, love itself is the great part of holiness. You know, some people have an idea that of, of holiness that is only about keeping strict rules um, and Somehow, the main command of Jesus to love one another gets lost in all that. And it's replaced with a kind of stern harshness. Um, it shouldn't be that way. Of, of course, keeping all the commands is important, but the goal of all the commands is love. Uh, love is the essential element of a, of a truly holy life. And I think that's because... Uh, Self-love is really the essence of, of sin. It's really the essence of our old life, being absorbed, turned inward, in love with ourselves, serving our own self. And love, the love of God in us, poured into us and overflowing with one another is God's replacement for that self-love. So the, the very essence of holiness uh, for a Christian is love, love for one another. And Paul uh, closes that prayer by mentioning, of course, uh, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul always keeps, I mean, it's always about learning how to live for God in the present, but he always keeps us focused on the future, what's out there. And what is out there in front of us all is the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This life will come to an end. Your life will come to an end. Uh, this present world will come to an end. Jesus will come again. And what will matter most in that day is if we have stood fast in the faith and if we have loved one another deeply and truly and faithfully. And so we want to be found, found in him uh, when he comes, loving one another the way that God wants us to. And the Apostle John said, whoever abides in love, abides in God and God in him. In this way, love has been perfected among us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. I mean, if you want to be ready for the coming of Jesus, uh, the Apostle John said, abide in love, walk in love, live in love. So holy love and affection uh, for one another is the way we prepare. One of the ways, but it's a big way that we prepare for the coming of our Lord Jesus. All right, let's, let's stand. I can't think of a better way to close than to just pray Paul's prayer for us as a church. And I, 
I, I ask, I beseech you to really make, make this a prayer of your, your own heart as well. Now may the God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen.